Welcome to The Green Insider, powered by eRenewable. Each and every podcast, hosts Mike Niemer and Greg Frank will bring you energy experts to help you better understand the renewable and sustainability space. Education is important to us because it's important to you, the listener. Now here's Mike Niemer and Greg Frank. It is another edition of The Green Insider, powered by eRenewable. My name is Greg Frank. We're going to get to the podcast in just a minute, as myself and Mike recorded in studio with our guests this time. However, before we get to the full episode, we want to check in with eRenewable's COO, Ann Niemer, as Ann has a few words for us. Ann Niemer here, COO of eRenewable. We know today whether you're a public company, private equity, or privately held company, ESG and sustainability are important to your company. At eRenewable, we can help you achieve some of those goals. If you have any questions or need any assistance with regards to reaching your sustainability goals, please visit us at eRenewable.com to learn more. As always, thank you for listening to The Green Insider, powered by eRenewable. And we welcome you into episode 191 of The Green Insider, powered by eRenewable, alongside Mike Niemer. My name is Greg Frank. Mike, good to see you again. How are you? I'm good. You have nice... uh weekend and holiday yeah you know it's a little weird uh, i feel like the fourth of july being in the middle of the week kind of threw everybody off a little bit i did a lot of my fourth of july stuff on the traditional weekend days and then actually worked here on monday and worked in the morning on the board on tuesday picked up a comp day so it never really felt like a holiday weekend i guess and it, the fourth of july is one of the only ones like that because it moves around there's labor day and memorial day you know they're gonna be on mondays thanksgiving you know it's a thursday so it's a long weekend so little bit of a weird vibe this week. Well, I'm just trying to figure out how I could have a three-day work week every week. There you I, go. I'm kind of enjoying this week. Yeah, so. yeah. well, <laughs> uh, unfortunately, uh, this is a, an abnormality for a lot of people. But uh, without further ado, let's welcome in our guest. He is the CEO of Clean Recompression, James Hulse, kind enough to join us here on episode 191. James, good to see you. How are you? Uh, fantastic, fantastic, yeah. I'm the, I'm the CEO of Clean Recompression. Um, we are a, uh, you know, an up and coming company getting rocking and rolling. You know, it's funny you talk about the, uh, the short weekend. I had this idea that our, that our next uh, presidential candidate probably run on the one term of, we will make every holiday on a particular Monday or Friday. Exactly. Instead of letting them roll. Yes, it's independence day and it happened on July 4th. We all know that, but it'll always happen on a Friday. That way, you can enjoy the fireworks, roll into Saturday, Sunday, be recovered, and Monday you're ready to go. And no, it's a great point. I mean, fixed you th- weekends. You think about the holidays early in the calendar year. Martin Luther King Day is observed on a Monday in January. Mm-hmm. President's Day is observed on a f- Monday in February. I guess Columbus Day is in October. Some people get that one. That's observed on a Monday in October. So, I like it. Yeah, I think uh, if any presidential candidate is listening, take this. Run with it. It's yours. It's free. Are you sure you don't want to be a write-in candidate there with that go. kind of tip? That's a no, good platform no, to run on. They look too deep for those. So <laughs> I'll stay shallow. All right, I'll stay in the so, shallow water. Just tell us a little bit about your background, how you got your start in the you know renewable energy space, and uh, how you got to where you are today. Yeah, yeah, no problem. So for me, I'm, I'm kind of a... Uh, in sorts, an innovator and a uh, inventor. You know, um, my first invention um, came around when uh, and when natural gas was being pushed for on-road use. You probably heard like T Boone Pickens and the Natural Gas Highway um, back in early 2010 through 2015-16, and there was a lot of development in that space. So we had uh, designed this pump and tank technology that would allow 
they'll give a more complete fill and give longer range to LNG tanks for on-road use and really help to accelerate natural gas for on-road use. Um, later in my career, um, working for a company, and we were doing uh, mobile uh, natural gas with LNG and CNG, and so uh, I invented a, a high-flow, high-pressure LNG pump and vaporization system that then really expanded that market and allowed um, cities and large commercial industrials to maintain their gas supply during pipeline interruptions, whether they were planned or unplanned. Um, after that, you know, the, the, the current uh, uh, innovation invention we have now, which is the L300, which is a hypermobile um, natural gas compressor, um, this unit um, will help uh, pipeline operators to solve the problem of venting and flaring, and that we developed uh, with my team at Clean Recompression. All right, James, so what do you want to lead us with here? Um, you know, I, I think it's, uh, you know, clean recompression is, uh, um, you know, focused on energy delivered cleaner. And I think everybody from whatever side you're coming from can really get behind that premonition. You know, whether you see some of these things on some of these social media platforms or some people are very electric and electric car focused and other people are just against that you know you get these kind of drastic or mm -hmm. these extremes i think there, there there's a common thread with all of us whether you're you're pushing for in, increase in use of electric cars or increase in in wind production or solar production really i think in the end everybody is behind energy delivered cleaner let's take care of our environment let's make it affordable which really what gives us great economic opportunity and provide social opportunity for everybody in our, in our nation and really in the world with all of the energy export that we have with energy export facilities helps to increase, you know, improve the environmental impact of energy use worldwide. But really my message is everybody can get behind energy delivered cleaner. I think that's a thing that we can all support, even though we may debate on some aspect of this or that between the two. But so it sounds like from what you hint at there, you're trying to get at the widest audience possible. Absolutely. And I, I think everybody can get behind that. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that there's anybody that will say, oh, no, I don't think energy should be delivered cleaner, you know, in whatever format. You know, mm -hmm. I think we should we should all be pushing for that. Well, you know, let's get into your current development for with your clean recompression company. When you're talking about venting and flaring for those that d aren't in this industry, that means there's methane going into the atmosphere. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And so your product helps reduce that methane being released into the air. Explain that a little bit, how that works. Yeah, yeah. So back up a little bit. Um, pipeline operators are under several different regulation from DOT and PIMSA that require them to maintain the integrity of their pipelines. We don't want to have failures or, or failure events. Um, and the integrity of the line maintains our a reliable fuel supply throughout our country, which really helps with our economic growth, things like that. So when they, when they have to do a, an inspection on a section of pipe and do a repair or maintenance or testing on that section of pipe, they'll isolate it to make it, um, to get it, prepare it to work on. And when they isolate it, they'll have a trap volume of gas in that section of pipe. And that pipe could be, you know, 100 feet long. It could be 30 miles long. But what, what's happened historically is the operator would, would open a valve and release the gas to make the, the pipe safe to work on let all the pressure out, let the gas out, or they would run it to a flare and burn it. So what we've done is come in and say, stop venting, stop flaring, let us compress it for you. We will then pump the gas from that isolated section into the active section of pipe, 
to eliminate product loss, eliminate the emissions. Well, that seems like a uh, big win for the pipeline company that's using your product. Instead of uh, losing all that in, by flaring it or venting it out, they're getting to keep it. So it's kind of like circular economy. You're taking it out and putting it back in, right? You're getting to reuse it again. Yeah, exactly. So in, instead of the, the customer having that volume of gas that they burn and they lose, which could be anywhere from you know, a few thousand dollars worth of gas to a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of gas, they keep that all in. They have way less loss than accounted for. And then they also um, eliminate their any emissions that would have happened during that event. Yeah, so they keep their product. I mean, imagine if the only way to work on your truck was to uh, burn everything inside, burn all the product that's in the, in the back of the truck so you could change the tire. Well, now you can take the product out, put it in another truck, change your tire, and then put the product back in once the, the, the truck is running. Well, let's talk about the product that they were losing. So you said anywhere from 100 feet to 30 miles, possibly, of pipeline that's shut down. So let's assume it's a one mile of pipe being shut down. So we can just do the math in our heads, all of us here and all the listeners out there. After you recompress it, how much product are you actually, in that one-mile section, putting back into the pipe? Um, typically, we, we can move about 98% of it. So in one mile, let's just kind of give an example. You have uh, uh, one mile of 30-inch pipe that is under 800 pounds of pressure. Um, is going to have about 1,200, 1,300 MCF of okay. gas in there. Right? Okay. Which right now is what coming up on three bucks, right? An MCF. So it, you can recompress it and basically move. You know, ninety-eight percent of it is what you're retaining. Yeah. So if it's uh, a 1,200 MCF mm -hmm. and it's at three bucks, right? I mean, that adds up to some money. Yeah, and and the the, the real uh, money side of it comes in with the uh, some more regulation that came to effect with the Inflation Reduction Act, the new methane tax. You, know, you can buy a, a one MCF of gas, I think right now it's trading for 275 today. But in 2024, the methane tax is going to put a tax on that of $19 an MCF. And then in 25, it goes to 30-something. And then in 26, it goes to 50-something dollars per MCF that you go beyond your allotment. For you guys, what's, tax. what's that like adjustment like when those taxes change? Like How does it change what you do? Well, it really it, it increases the market demand. So then projects before that they may have, hey, these are smaller, that may have done some venting and flaring, that's it, becoming zero. But it's not new. Pipeline operators, especially all the majors you think of for natural gas, they've been doing recompression for a long time. Um, and they've, they've just been drastically increasing that. You know, a lot of projects, they say they're not big enough or we can vent here or we can flare there. They've come, they, they have these own internal initiatives. They're kind of self-regulating, saying we need to eliminate this on our own um, to, to be better stewards of, the, of the, the fuel and other things. I mean, one of the other pushes is also, Mark, Mike, I know you're, uh, you're big on it, is uh, RSG, responsibly right. source gas. And in order to get to that, you need to have clean gas from wellhead to your stove. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, uh, the government, by implementing these, this methane tax, they're forcing everybody to do what you're saying your product already does. So let's talk about your product a little bit. You, it's patent pending. Do I remember that correctly? Yes. So what makes your, since you said to Greg's answer earlier, since there's already players in the market doing what you do, what makes yours different that you've been able to put, get that patent pending in place for you to be able to put the, you know, out that out into the public? 
Yeah, you know what? When when just like every other kind of innovation that that I've brought to the market, you know, me with my teams, you know, we look at what are some of the pain points. Can this be done better? Can it be done faster? Can it be done cheaper? What does the customer want? And their biggest their biggest pain points are it takes longer to recompress than it does to vent or flare, which means their pipeline is down longer. They make money moving gas across their line, right? So can it be done faster? Can it be done in a smaller footprint? Can it be more nimble? And then can it also be total total emissions per project um, lower? So we looked at um, some of the other players in the market and said, well, can we do it in a in a smaller platform? Can we fit this on a 32-foot gooseneck trailer and pull it around with you know uh, one-ton dualies? If we can do that, we can drastically eliminate our mob demob. Our fuel consumption is half what a semi-truck is, just moving to site. And then we also have a smaller compact footprint on the customer's site. They don't need to clear more land to fit a bunch of semi-trailers to then hook up and recompress the gas. So if we can make it easier for them on their site, and we can bring the, we can compress the pipeline down, move that gas faster so they can get back into service sooner, and then we can do it quieter and with less emissions than anybody on site while we're operating, that's what our design was pushed around. And that's what our patent really protects is that piece, how it's done in such a compact um, model and the way we designed it to really deliver a solution that makes it easier for our customer, makes it simpler for them. You know, James, when you go through that process, it does seem like you guys have really done a good job of refining things. So when it comes to your staff and just trying to better your process, what's that been like? Um, well, I mean, we are, we are a newer company. You know, yeah. so we've, we've got uh, our technicians. Um, we hired a lot of very uh, educated and experienced guys in natural gas pipelines and compression. And then teaching them how to operate our equipment was kind of a, a natural next step for them. You know, but our, but our processes to, uh, from, from site orientation to setup to pressurize to pump, you know, everything. You know, our, we have a very long list of standard operating procedures we all follow in that training program. Um, for them has been pretty intense and they'll tell you I mean today they're they're uh, they're eager to perform projects very comfortable with the operation and the way we designed it just makes it very simple and uh, uh, and kind of very plain once you see it and walk around the piece of equipment how easy it is to operate well you know uh, you like many other guests and myself all started your company on either side of the pandemic okay <laughs> so the, the question I like to ask with another entrepreneur is in the room, did that play into your favor or did that make it more of a struggle as you got going? You know, I, I throughout the, the, the pandemic, um, I, there, there were like supply, came, supply chain constraints, things like that, um, that, that we thought could possibly cause delays for us. We tried to plan around those. But I think for us, we felt like this uh, company was so important and what we were doing was um, in such uh, uh, high demand that we had to move forward. We couldn't delay waiting for things for the pandemic to change, things to move. Um, so we, we, we move forward, you know, kind of we're going to make it happen. And, and lucky enough, you know, things have worked pretty well in our favor as far as our, our startup schedule has gone. Well, congratulations. Good for you. So, uh What's next for your company? What, where do you see yourself growing and expanding to? You know, you know, I, I, I watch this uh, the energy transition. You know, it's kind of right. the, the catchphrase that catches a lot of these pieces. And, and really that's kind of encompassed and, and then made into a, a publication, your ESG reports and stuff like that. You know, I, I see the energy transition not as a movement away from 
one fuel source to another. We're not moving from fossil fuels to solar wind. We're not moving from nuclear to this or to that. I believe, and what's really shown out in the market over the last really year or two, is the energy transition is a um, wider portfolio of energy sources that are that can deliver um, energy cleaner. Everybody's under that. So RSG comes in for natural gas in this case. What can we do to get fuel from the wellhead to your stove the cleanest, lowest emissions way possible? Um, and then in addition to that, you see the same uh, um, pressures on whether it's uh, solar panel manufacturers. They're trying to find the best way to, do, to develop those solar panels to deliver the most energy with the least amount of environmental impact throughout their supply chain. Same thing with windmills, same thing with batteries, everything else. And I think all these technologies developing are creating this transition of we are when and where is the best fuel and how does it work the best for that application? That's what the transition we're getting to and doing it cleaner and doing it in a way that's affordable and takes care of the uh, communities that we, uh, that we operate in. You know, James, when you run through some of those transition elements, I'm curious for you guys uh, at the company, you mentioned it's a newer company. So how much are you guys still learning? I mean, I imagine there's still uh, quite a bit of an educational element towards figuring out how you fit into this energy transition, correct? Yeah, you know, for, for me, we're, we're kind of lucky that I've spent uh, several years, the previous company uh, that I ran um, served a similar market, provided a different service, but, but served a similar market. So knowing how pipeline operators talk, how they think, what they want to see um, happen, what their initiatives are, were fairly familiar um, to me. What was going on in the market was fairly, fairly familiar. Um, the learning curve is really, you know, as, as we, one of the things we really learned is when you engineer and design a brand new piece of equipment that's never been done before, you know, the, the, the engineering, the design says it will do this. Nameplate says here are your capabilities, right? Mm. Like for us, for example, here's your, the lowest suction pressure you can get to and your highest discharge pressure you can get to and your flow rates that you'll have all based off of, you know, mathematical calculations. Um, and then once you get it in the field, you get to understand what the true capability of the equipment is. And for us, um, we were um, pleasantly surprised that our compressor was a bit faster than our nameplate as far as the flow that it got, which gave us another advantage in the market to customers of getting their pipelines back in service, pull that gas out faster. And then also in our suction pressures, we're at, in, mo in most cases, take it down to near zero. You know, when we, we at first weren't sure if that was the possibility. So that, that learning curve on that piece of it, you know, is really, um, you know, is really kind of a, a trial and error. You have to get in it mm -hmm. to understand it and learn it. And I think that's one of the kind of the, maybe the, some of the secret sauce that we have within our company, our operations, you know, and even our, our patented uh, compressor designs. James, thank you for joining us today on The Green Insider. Thank you. He's James Hulse, our guest on episode 191 of The Green Insider, powered by E-Renewable. For Mike Niemer, I'm Greg Frank. Everybody, be sure to subscribe to our podcast, wherever you get your podcasts from, and leave us a five-star rating because, as the saying goes, you learn something new every day, and we were responsible for today's lesson. Again, from Mike Niemer, I'm Greg Frank. This has been episode 191 of The Green Insider, powered by E-Renewable. We'll talk to you next time here on the podcast.